the number one rule in business is there are no emotions in business. You got business and then you got personal. And I constantly have to remind people of that. Second, this is the big one, is if it's not making sense for your bottom line, then it ain't making sense. And stop trying to make sense out of something that's not going to make sense for your bottom line. You know, it, it sounds good, kumbaya, you know, but at the first of the month, the bills got to get paid. So I'm a, I'll tell you a quick example, because somebody might benefit from this. Just yesterday, okay, and you can already tell that I don't worry about people, you know, if you present something to me, you just made yourself part of my story so I can tell it. But on a Sunday, I got a text from someone and they asked information that's business related that can help their business. Okay. Now I have an institute where I teach. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University, and class is in session. And we are live. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, scintillating, and money-making Mr. Carborn Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've decided to the listeners, I now have my own intro. So here we go. Y'all going, we're not going to run ads on this one. So, you know, copyright infringement, whatever. <laughs> Introduce me correctly, people. My name is who? Because they know. What up? I'm here. Okay. All jokes aside, I'm happy to be here. You're going to get us in trouble. We do not own the rights to this music. <laughs> Let them come. It's all right. <laughs> Listen, um, that's my partner, Paul. He's very extra. The listeners know that by now. But guys, in all seriousness, you know, every week we like to bring you special guests that can just improve your business, improve your brand, improve your life, really. And uh, this week is no exception. Very, very excited for today's guest. She is the owner and founder of Abraza Skin Studio, Skin Institute, and Skincare Line. And she's been a nurse practitioner in all specialties of adult cardiology and emergency medicine for 19 years before joining the field of medical aesthetics and permanent makeup. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our healthcare entrepreneur, our healthcare hero for this episode. We have Dr. Natasha Welch. Dr. Welch, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm loving the energy. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Dr. Welch, we like to be respectful of your time, right? You're, you're a busy woman. Uh, you're building an empire. We get it. So, with that being said, I'm going to get straight to it. We always like to start with why right out the gate. So, tell us, why did you choose to pursue the field of nursing? And then, why did you choose to transition from that into the field of medical aesthetics? 
know, I'm one of those. Uh, well, first, let me add that I'm a first generation American. I have to add that because that led me into nursing. Okay, so <laughs> my parents are Panamanian. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And I honestly wanted to go into fashion, got accepted to the schools I thought I was going to go to. And my mom was like, uh, no, I didn't pay for all these years of Catholic school for you to go <laughs> play with clothes. <laughs> she was like, you're going to get a real job. I was like, huh? So she was like, you better look into one of these universities. You're going to college. So, you know, I was pretty much undecided when I went to college. However, when I got to Hampton University, I was inspired by a nurse practitioner, honestly, at the, uh, what do you call it, like the school infirmary. But on top of that, my mom worked as a medical assistant and she kept saying, be a doctor, be a nurse, be a doctor, be a nurse. And I figured, you know what? I'm gonna pursue nursing because I like this idea of the nurse practitioner. And that's what made me do it back when no one knew what a nurse practitioner was. I, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again because my primary care was a nurse practitioner. And so I, my whole life, I, I was actually distraught when she retired because I just didn't know what to do at that point. But shout out to all the nurses. We love y'all for real, especially everything you guys are doing right now this year um, and last in 2020. Really appreciate y'all underrated champions. I love your story because, you know, it's one that definitely resonates with a lot of people, especially listeners of this podcast, you know, for for many, I think one it introduces a stability and, you know, the nurse practitioner bit, you know, for a lot of people, it's like many people don't take that next step, right? They don't just like, you know, they'll do the BSN, maybe they'll do the masters, but they really won't go the full football. They, they won't go to the next level of nursing, which I think is nurse practitioner. So the question I have for you really comes around with what then really made it stand out more than say the regular track of nursing. I ask this just because I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, there's more schooling. Oh, there's more this, more that. But what about it, you know, stands out and is so attractive that you were like, yeah, this is where I'm really going to go. Um, I have to owe a lot of my inspiration beyond undergrad to the professors that I had at Hampton University, hands down. I mean, if I would have went to any other nursing school, I probably wouldn't have had that push. So before I even graduated with a baccalaureate degree, me and most of my peers knew that we have to go higher. And that's what my undergrad program put in my head. So I, I had the pleasure to be inspired by PhD African-American instructors all through my tenure at Hampton. And I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be Dr. Patricia Hammond. I wanted to be Dr. Patricia Sloan. I wanted to be these innovators that were writing research and making moves like, oh, I need to be like them. So I positioned myself after my baccalaureate program and lined myself up to go to Howard. And when I, I remember when I, I knew I took this job at Washington Hospital Center in DC because they would pay for my uh, masters. And I remember applying as a young nurse in the 90s. Okay, we're talking 1995. And all the nurses I worked with was like, why do you want to do that? Like they, they discouraged me. It was the unheard of. You know, especially being at that time when I worked in the ICU, 
the only other people that look like me cleaned the unit or answered the phones. Okay. And I knew from back then that the, what I went through, it was very racist in the ICU environment. Sorry, but I got to admit it. This is my story. This is what I went through. And so part of that inspiration came from that. Cause I said, you know what? I'm gonna be y'all boss. It pushed me. I'm being honest. I ain't gonna sit around here and have these people kick me around and nitpick what I did the last shift and they getting away with murder and some of them not as smart as I really thought they would have been faking it today making it I never had that opportunity to fake it till I make it so that's my influence and my inspiration so with that being said you know and you bring up you bring up a a very good point because I've I've heard it even with like new nurses today you know, I, I hear that in certain settings, like there's this culture of like, like bullying, like nurse bullying, like that goes on. And, and, and you mentioned the fact that for you, it was having to deal with racism, you know, in, in, in that space. And I think a lot of people like to turn a blind eye to that and don't realize how prevalent that is within nursing and within the healthcare space. So I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up because a lot of people need to become more aware that that happens, right? The only way to be able to fix something like that is if you bring it to light and, and if more awareness is, is raised by you continuing to speak on it like you just did. What I want to know is, so, okay, you are at a disadvantage. Let's just say, say it as, as it is. You're at a disadvantage. And so you didn't have the, the leverage that a lot of other people leverage. Tell us about the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome in order to kind of branch out from that and also branch out into building something of your own because you realize like, hey, I can do more, I can be more. Sure. Um, one thing I always knew since I was a little kid that I had to be my own boss. My mother would tell me, you have to get an education because you think you know everything and you think you are everybody boss and bosses have an education. So a lot of this is trickled down. You know, my father was an entrepreneur. You know, my father owned bars, but he was a hustler. And so I grew up like that. I also grew up and I like to share it with people because, um, you know, you, you, you hear the accent. I can't hide it. But I grew up in public housing in Brooklyn, you know, and but despite that obstacle, we always me and my friends always knew we were going to get out of there. We had a plan, all of us. And, 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 and what a blessing. Like today, I spoke to two of my childhood friends that know me since, you know, PS 329 or whatever. Have you. We're still friends. We are still friends. And um, I don't want to get off what you just asked, but you know, it's very important that I bring that to light because that's serious obstacles. I had the obstacles against me that I wouldn't survive. I went to funerals at 12, 13 through the eighties. You know, I think if anything, those are my big obstacles, my survival skills. I tell people, you know, listen, I have all the degrees, but nothing beats my street smarts. My street smarts is what made me survive corporate. Because in the back of my head, there was always a little voice playing in my head. 
Like I know how to handle you on pen and paper. I'm taught that, right? And shout out to my mom who put me in an all girls Catholic school that was only 3% black. I went to an all white high school. I was bused from the projects to another side of town. Why? Because she said the world is not black. The world, this is the world you are gonna be in. And I want you to be able to deal with it. So that's why I went on to HBCUs. I got what I needed. And that was a hot time when I went to high school with Yusef Hawkins and we had different type of killings back when I was in high school, you know, unjustified killings. But this is my story I tell people. People may get uncomfortable, but it is what it is. I ain't set the backdrop. The backdrop was set before I showed up on set. Those were my obstacles, my biggest obstacles to say, I'm here now, now what? You know, it's, it's possible. And that's part of what I do now, not just as a business owner, but to pull those forward because someone helped pull me. I always tell people, and this, I, I really owe a lot to my professors at Hampton for molding me into a lady from being that girl who I ain't give you too much space before the fuse will go off. But that's my upbringing, right? That's the background I came from. But now I know how to handle them. I, I love, you know, I love hearing that just because. My sister, you know, when she graduated college, she went to, she moved to Brooklyn and she taught at one of the public schools and something that really stood out to me, you know, cause I got the opportunity to go visit her class is just the resilience that a lot of those kids have to have just simply because of the situation. And, you know, I love hearing, you know, what you're talking about, because it's like, I would say like it. I think I personally think black people and like people of color have an advantage in certain situations, especially in the corporate culture, because like we, you know, we, we hear all the, we got to work twice as hard. We hear, we got to, you know, <laughs> some folks out there just get it handed down the family line and we got to get our, you said you're first generation American. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to you talking about you're going to do your master's and you're, you're applying to that thing in 95. I'm thinking, whoa, I was two years old in 95. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking if it's like this now and we've had a little progress, I can't even imagine what it had to be like to push through a lot of those boundaries back in the 90s, to have to see a lot of that stuff back in the 80s. And I think, you know, because of that resiliency and that ability to build up like, all right, you got the street smarts, now you got the book smarts. And you become like the complete package. Would you then say just it's build up your, un, your ability to be unstoppable? And by that, I mean, do you ever find yourself as an entrepreneur in situations where you're like, yo, I, I don't really think I can, I can really make that come to pass. And I ask that just because, you know, there's a lot of those young entrepreneurs who are coming up. You know, Carl and I, we, we had the benefit. My girlfriend always clowns me because she's from Queens, um, Southside Jamaica. So ah, she always clowns me because uh -huh. like I grew up in like one of the most diverse towns in Southwest Michigan where we had two stoplights. Everybody was calm as ever. I had zero like tribulations as a kid, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, even still, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of the challenges that a lot of people had. So as an entrepreneur growing up, I really had to look at it more from the, okay, nothing is impossible, mm. but I noticed at the beginning, I had a lot of like stopping blocks. And I'm like, yo, I don't think I have the drive to push through this wall, right? <laughs> so for those young entrepreneurs, and you know, even from your perspective, 
is there anything that you can't do? And, you know, what would you say to them? Um, you know, if they're dealing with a lot of those issues of like, they, they didn't get the advantage yeah. or they did and they can't push through now because everything's been handed to them. What do you say to them? Mm. Wow. It just brings up some things I, I, I spoke about, you know, my siblings and I are generationally different in age. I have a sister that I'm probably 13 years older, much different than me and my older sister. You know, to me, I'm like, you're privileged and you're used to everything. You think someone owes you something. I don't come from the I owe you something generation. Um, so with that said, perseverance is something you have to press through and nobody owes you anything. I think that's a big piece, but let me also track back that everyone is not an entrepreneur. You know, we have this boss movement right now. So not to, you know, but this is Boston. You see it, right? The hashtag boss. And half of the people I see, they're not boss material. What is a boss? You know, so I, I, I noticed this with the younger generation, like boss, everybody won't be their own boss. So I've been leading in the corporate world before owning, right? And it's about an 80-20 rule. 80% are not working. And among the 80% that's just bodies, those are the ones who thinks the most they're the boss. <laughs> I always laughed at it. You know, we would look at the team and be like, and it'd be the one, the, the few that don't even know that they're the diamonds. You know, so I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs need to first, so, somehow you got to sit back and look at how you're doing things. Someone has to evaluate me, in other words, right? Um, and for what, what, how do I do that? I have my pseudo board of directors, my group of friends, like this one's on my board, and I allow them to check me on certain things. If it's finance, you get a friend that's a finance expert. If it's this, you get a friend that's an ads expert. If it's that, you get, you understand what I'm saying? And I think that having that can kind of keep you on your right track because it's hard. You think you know it all. You think you're perfect. You started this business, but how do you scale up, right? Oh, you're going to be stuck right here. So you have to respect the expertise of probably just people who are around you because that bubble going to burst. Then what? So I think if anything, I can tell the aspiring or the working hard entrepreneur is find that pseudo group of make your board of directors and make it your point to contact them and, and like, hey, what are you thinking about this, this, this? And then I have one that tells me straight up, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Like, that's stupid. But you know what? I love him for it. That's what I need because no one else in my business is going to talk to me like that right? And be honest with me. So I think that's one thing. I hope that's answering the question and giving some gems. You know, we all think we're right and we're the balls. So I think, <laughs> I think that was perfect because I, what I want to ask you, you mentioned something that a lot of entrepreneurs, I think they let it go over their head. And that's that aspect of your mastermind right? The people that you have around you. And 
exactly what you just said was like that was a big gem I think a lot of people didn't 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 understand and I want to kind of dissect that a little bit and lead into the next question I have for you you mentioned the fact that you may have a friend that's that's an ads expert right you have friends that are different experts and people don't stop to realize entrepreneurs don't stop to realize in your business you can't just have one mentor right if you're expecting to get better with your sales right if you're expecting to get into real estate you know if you're expecting to get into affiliate marketing or digital marketing or whatever it is you need someone that knows what they're doing in that space right a lot of entrepreneurs they find someone they're like bet they got this 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 that i want this is the person you know but then when it's time to scale like you mentioned or it's time for you to pivot you go and talk to them and they they're, they're like yo i i don't know how to do all that right you know like it looks good but this isn't really it and so a question I want to ask you is what would you say has been the best advice that you've received from a mentor for your business that really like after you had that advice, you took it, implemented it, and it was like, wow, like things just went to another level. Wow. This, this, I got, I got a lot two that I'll just focus on. It's kind of hard because they kind of relate to each other. And the number one rule in business is there are no emotions in business. You got business and then you got personal. And I constantly have to remind people of that. Second, this is the big one, is if it's not making sense for your bottom line, then it ain't making sense. And stop trying to make sense out of something that's not going to make sense for your bottom line. You know, it sounds good, kumbaya, you know, but at the first of the month, the bills got to get paid. So I'm a, I'll tell you a quick example because somebody might benefit from this. Just yesterday, okay, and you can already tell that I don't worry about people, you know, if you present something to me, you just made yourself part of my story so I can tell it. But on a Sunday, I got a text from someone and they asked information that's business related that can help their business, okay? Now I have an institute where I teach medical aesthetics training, right? People come to me, they take a class. I do everything I'm supposed to do in the class. I over deliver and they get a certificate. They are supposed to ride off on their donkey. But for some reason, and I have my reasons in my head, I won't put them out there, but people, if you, you're already familiar with my voice on this podcast. You can know where I'm coming from. Some people feel I'm supposed to be giving them even more for some reason. But they will go to the other companies and they would never even expect more. So why I got to give you more, okay? So one, you took a course from me. I gave you some gems not too long ago. You're supposed to be like, damn, she gave me. And you, and you were thankful. Thanks, Dr. Natasha. Oh my God, I can't believe you said. So I saved her a lot of money on her car insurance, so to speak, right? Now she comes back again and wants more. And I said, listen, I taught your class, but let me ask you this. What skincare product are you selling in your prospective spa? She said two brands. I said, okay. Did you text their CEO this Sunday morning 
and ask them this same question? Because I'm the CEO of this brand and it's Sunday. By the way, all my businesses are closed on Sunday. I'm like Chick-fil-A out here, okay? So to call me, text me that early is very disrespectful on a Sunday, okay? And, I, and she's like, well, no. I said, I know you didn't. So why do I deserve it? You're not going to sell my product. You're going to tell me minimums. You already an affiliate of mine. There is no minimum. You already have a wholesale account. But you, I see you on IG, you pushing these brands. So my question again, call them and ask them where you can get da-da-da-da-di and da-da-da-da-da. Call them. And she comes back again. I said, listen, sweetheart, you, you half my age. I'm going to drop it to you like this. You worried about you and I'm worried about me. But I'm more so worried about my business. And one thing you're not going to do is use me and blow up some other brand. Like, what you think? I fell off the back of a, of a truck? I mean, sometimes I sit here and, and I just can't believe the narcissistic approach of a lot of business owners. The nerve, the gall. Chopped her. Goodbye. She kept texting because this is the new generation of text. And I never even read it. Text still in the phone somewhere floating around with the 102 unchecked texts in my phone because some people want to hit me. Hey, we close on certain days. No, I can't book your appointment on my Sunday morning while I'm at brunch. You got a lot of nerve. So, and people may be hearing this like, really? Oh, come in my shoes. Come in my shoes. But I'm not going to let it drive me crazy like some business owners. I put it out there. If you follow me on my personal Facebook page, I'll have you cracking up all day. Like, why do I deserve that as the CEO of this business, but that owner doesn't? And I saved you money, but you still won't build with me. But you want to build with this other brand. And my brand is just as good. And you said it. <laughs> so... You're speaking my language. That's all I have to say. You're speaking my language. No, I absolutely, <laughs> no, because this, this is what it is. Let me, and let me just, you know, level with you. This is what it is. You know, Carl and I, we, we run a business together. I have another uh, physical therapy business. And I, I have this like personal rule that one, and Carl will tell you straight up, like if you text me in the morning, just don't expect a response to like noon at the earliest. Don't hit me up after nine. <laughs> You're not going to get a response. All right. Don't hit me up Saturday, Sunday. You're not going to get a response. Part of it is because, like you said, it's nothing personal because my business, these businesses, their, their sole existence is to be able to allow us to have the lives that we want to have. Now, we enjoy doing what we're doing, but their purpose is to be able to have the lives we want to have. And I always tell people, like, don't get, like, I got a story because somebody hit me up Friday, right? Hit me on Friday. Hey, can you check this out? Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what? You want to consult? You want me to consult on your thing? All right, cool. Like, I can do that, right? Let's talk. Let's talk numbers. How much are you going to give me from your cut to walk you through this? Okay, 70%. All right, cool. Do you want to start Monday? Well, I'm not sure, you know, yet, you know, can I just send you these emails to look over? I'm like, you can send them. <laughs> right. But I don't know what I'm going to look at them because I've got the business with the other one. I've got the business with Carl. It's tax season, right? Taxes are due next week. We're in about that all day. Thinking about the fact that I have a significant other. She deserves my time. 
I have my own personal health. And then you're going to tell me, hey, can I do you a solid when you full well know we charge people a lot of money for the same thing you're asking for free? It, it's not fair to those people that are spending money with us. So that's why I understand that completely. And to the listeners that if you are having a hard time digesting this right now, chances are it's because you might be the one who does this as well. And that's okay. We're just here to open up and give truth, no judgment, just truth. But to kind of transition a little bit, the question now I want to ask you, and it's hilarious because I'm asking us on the back of the fact that you just said what you just said. But for the ones who have never listened to anything you've taught, they've never spent money with you. They haven't, you know, gone into your world, right? But then they want to start getting into skincare, right? We're going to transition a little bit into the business. What, what would you say would have been the most effective ways, right? And just top three, like the, not the stuff that people pay for, but what would you say would be like maybe the top or the top two, top three most effective ways you've been able to utilize your marketing to be able to grow your brand and your business? The top ways I utilize my marketing, is that what you're saying? For the, for yes. the classes? You mean for the classes or overall brand? Overall brand. Overall brand. Um, well, I think the most successful thing I did in marketing is let people know that I'm the expert that I am. Most successful thing. I started my business. Um, I couldn't afford an ad spend at the time. And I consistently showed up on social media, educating people on skin health. I didn't say, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. I didn't do that. I said, uh, this is me. This is what I do. Let's talk about exfoliation tonight. Let's talk about this and that and that. Remember, you could DM me and I give you a free virtual consult. I was doing vir free virtual consults before the pandemic. Before I was having clients show up in my spa, I was laying in my bed on Facebook Messenger answering skin consultation questions. True. Placing orders and shipping them out myself before I had a body to touch. The biggest thing was I became someone's people trust for skin. Listen, I've only been in my business. This is my fourth year. I was in cardiology and I made myself the skin expert. And the other big thing I did was educate myself. So when I open my mouth, I don't sound crazy. And I'm from the old school where we went to the stacks at the medical library at Howard and we had to go to the counter and ask them to pull a periodical for us. And it was hours of effort to get one article. However, we have these right now. And so many business people looking at nonsense on these phones. When you have PubMed on here, you have every publication on here, educate yourself and make yourself the expert at what you do. So if someone throw a question out, most likely you catching all of them and you're answering them. So now you're, you know, well-respected. I think that's one big tip I can tell people because I think we're getting lazy. I get a lot of calls. Can you tell me what the state of Texas does for nurses? Do I look like the state of Texas? <laughs> and you gotta remember, I was a college professor during this. So I didn't just come out and say, I'm teaching. So you gotta respect the game. I've had people take my course I had the camera fall and there's a room full of women in the room watching the class that one person paid for. It's happened to me. And that person probably like, did she say that? Yeah, you did it. But here's the thing. 
And then you ran off and said, I teach classes. And guess what's happening? People are complaining and it's circling back, right? Why? You got to respect the game. I'm a veteran taught at two universities. So I got the receipts. You know, I'm not just out here trying to sell a class because a lot of people are trying to sell a class now. That's like the new hot thing. But are they the expert at what they do? So, you know, you got to make sure whatever you're selling that you really know your product and your market. No, <laughs> yo, this is fire. But we have a segment that we do on our show now, and that's our, our, our Black health segment, right? And typically during that segment, you know, we'll give a fact on something that, you know, plagues the African-American community from a health standpoint. So high blood pressure, diabetes, whatever the case may be. And so today we actually wanted to switch it up with you. And we wanted to ask you in terms of our people, in terms of you know our community, what have you seen uh, that have been like the biggest issues from an, from a, an aesthetic standpoint, you know, in, in, in dealing with, with skin issues, skin related issues and impairments disorders? And what are some, I guess, what would be some advice or some myths that you would want to debunk and help educate our people more as to the importance of taking care of our skin? Ah. This is my thing. I love this question. See, I'm smiling. I love this question. Listen, you got to have purpose. After this podcast, I'm in the, actually, I'm in this incubator program for Abraza Skincare. And it's an honor to be chosen for this. And I had to do a pitch, right? And a lot, to, a lot of people think I'm just here selling creams and playing with faces. There's actually an intention to all of this. And what it is, is African-American women specifically, right? Because that's the 95% of my clientele. African-American women specifically, and I'll speak for the Atlanta area, are four times more likely to develop breast cancer, regardless of education level, poverty, you know, middle class, four times more likely. And these tumors are way more aggressive than any other race meaning we have a higher mortality rate as well. Recent research, finally, I'm so happy, like about a year and a half ago, the research now is out that hair care products and skincare products contribute to this higher rate of cancer. Now I've been preaching this. This is why I came into this this, this world, this is why I developed my own skincare line. Because I'm like, I don't want that stuff on me. So like part of my story is that I was in a near fatal car accident in 2008. Um, part, my head went through the windshield, broke a femur, a hip. So I'm not new to this physical therapy world. <laughs> and I had extensive um, damage to the left upper quadrant of my face where I had different procedures and it introduced me to medical aesthetics and skincare products. So it was my own healing journey. I became the expert before I came into business and I knew about great skincare. And then as I'm using all this expensive skincare, I start reading, well, what's this word? What does that mean? And I start looking them up like, wait a minute, that's like motor oil. I don't want that on my face, you know? And I start becoming more aware of not just what I put on my skin, as well as what I consume in terms of food. 
Okay. So for me, when I chose to be natural, I remember walking in the boardroom as a national director at a, at a, one of my previous works with a, with my fro. This is over 11 years ago. Why? Because I, now I'm scared of the skincare. I'm scared of the hair care products. I mean, my friends are like, okay, you're going to the next level. I'm happy that we are here now. And so I am one, I want to call myself a responsible skincare line because right now the trend is for all the celebrities to own a skincare line. Why? Because you like me, I'm cute and you're buying it, but my products are totally irresponsible. And the bloggers are not dumb. They're on it. They're like, so-and-so has a skincare line. It's full of dye. It's full of parabens. It's full of phthalates. It's full of all these chemicals that are known to be endocrine disruptors. There is a reason why black little girls are having periods at seven and eight years old. A lot of it is the products we're putting on the skin, the largest organ of our body. Anything you put on your skin is in circulation within 10 minutes. We as nurses know that. We know when that nitroglycerin hits the skin, you feel like you're going to pass out. So um, um, that's one thing if I could leave for people to be way more responsible for what you're putting on your skin and find, and you know, I saw a video today on IG with these, these all these, these skin and hair care product stores that are in black communities, but treating us like trash. First of all, you're selling bad products and then you want to treat us like trash, really? So we have to also be more aware, if I can bring insight to this, to be aware of your spending habits. Know where your dollars are going. Like I'm looking at younger people, you know, I'm from New York, they just, some kids from down here run to Manhattan to rob the Chanel store. Where, what are we doing here? You want these brands that bad? I'm sorry, I digress sometimes but I'll drop a gem a lot of people don't know. She was a Nazi spy. I will never buy those products. I spend my money responsibly, I tell people. I'm very responsible, I need to know. And like I said, this thing in my hand is a weapon. You can Google up everything, like find out where your money's going. So what I pay a little bit extra money to go to so-and-so's beauty store for their products. She doesn't have a rich uncle. She didn't have an inheritance to start that business. I pay my black taxes and that's what I call it. That's my tithe. And I'm sorry, not to offend anybody. That's, you know, when you, when you bring me on your podcast, you, you got to deal with some of the things that I will say. It makes some people uncomfortable, but you know, I wouldn't be me. And I'm not hurt by saying anything I'm saying here because those people who are against me, they're never going to buy from me. So why are why my people buying from them? Make it make sense for me. Please. Before I spend 4,000 on a purse for a woman who helped put people get in concentration camps, I'd rather put 4,000 in my community and inspire a young child that doesn't have the inheritance or doesn't have, you know, someone to pour into them. Let's be responsible. I know the question, but that's Natasha. Anyone listening to me that know, that, know me gonna be like, yeah, she gonna come shake it up. Listen, <laughs> listen, I'm just, I'm just letting it, you know, marinate a little bit. That's all we're doing. <laughs> I'm just letting it marinate because I know somebody's listening. They're just like, okay, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. And because, see, listen, 
if they come for us, they come for us. We didn't do it. No, I mean, like, if they come for us with, like, a lawsuit, they'll come for us. But i got to ask a question now. Because, you see, as a Black man who, you know, recently started caring for his hair and his skin, um, you know, growing up, we really didn't have that. Like, this is the longest my hair's ever been in my life. Um, and it's a wonderful experience. It's frustrating at times. But, you know, I've been reading a few things because, and, and I'm just put it out there. I'm one of those dudes that just goes to the store. Like, uh, okay, Shane Moisture. Like, let's ride. Yeah. Right? And I'll take it. Yeah. But I've also been hearing different, like, different thoughts because people are like, this stuff's not good for you. You know, like, it's not good for your hair. This, this, and that. So I want to ask you a two-part question because mm-hmm. I also don't really know how to tell. You see this right here? All this melanin? Smooth? It's just because I'm not stressed. Um, if I was stressed, I'd be popping out. I don't know how to take care of my skin. So I want to ask a two-part question. I really, I'm be honest. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I don't know. Like, if I'm being real, I wash my face in the shower, and I'm just like, with a different cloth, at least. I'm, <laughs> I'm civilized. But <laughs> let me ask you this question. What then are your thoughts like? And, you know, I'm even on your website right now, you know, looking at a lot of your products. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk to us a little bit about the changes a lot of us need to making on that front mm-hmm. you know because one i'm like i think a lot of us and you know carl you know speak on this if it's the same for you or if it's different a lot of us you know especially as men like we just we just don't know yeah. we're just we see an ad we're like boom cool yeah. let's go what, what are our options because we support black owned businesses that mm-hmm. do things the right way here that's what we do but yeah. what adjustments do people need to start making or like how can we really figure out what's best for us. Absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, skin to skin, the difference is a lot of female skin is driven by hormones. You guys come out of that period after you pass puberty. That's why it's rare you see an adult male with adult acne. It's rare. Then you will see a female with acne. That's one fact. Everyone should just cleanse, tone, cleansing and tone and go together, exfoliate, get the dead skin off, whether it's a scrub, or it's a chemical exfoliant and something that doesn't clog pores for moisture. Cocoa butter clogs pores over time. It looks good now, but up when you get up to my age, I'm 48, you see who looks good at the homecoming and who's looking like the auntie. That's what I tell people, you know? Uh, <laughs> ain't no wrong looking like the auntie, but I'm just saying for me, I tell people I'm going out kicking and screaming. Right. So most people that know me know I rarely wear makeup. Because I have to be the billboard of what I do, but that's the main thing you need to do. Protect the skin with antioxidants. What the serums mean? Serums aren't heavy. They go deep. Understand that my skincare product line is a medical grade skincare product line. There is a space for me. My space is in the medical spa setting. I'm not an over the counter product. This, this, this line wasn't produced to be sold in Walgreens. It's not sold in Target. It won't be, okay? But small fact people don't know about me is that I'm also behind some of these other Fufa brands that may be coming out soon on the market. So I've learned to find your space and stay in your niche market. So our, our products are pricier and people will say, well, geez, that vitamin C costs this and that. Yeah, but Dr. So-and-so's vitamin C is probably 
$30 more than mine. So-and-so's vitamin C is probably $20. So I'm still giving it at a better price, but I should not price myself out of my lane. That's my lane. So skincare does have levels to it, like everything else, right? You can go in Saks and buy a purse that you can't find in Macy's, that you can't find in, in, in uh, I don't know, Walmart, right? So there's lanes with it. But I think that's the safest thing. There's no such thing as men's skincare. That is a farce. That's marketing right now. That's hot right now. Put it in a black bottle and market it to guys. But skin is skin. So cleanse tone. My biggest thing is stay away from anything that says paraben at the end. Methylparaben, polyparaben. They are linked to cancer. They are linked. They are found in breast cancer tumors. If it says phthalates, stay away from it. Parabens, phthalates, sulfates only because it dries up the skin. That's it. Um, hydroquinone, which is a bleaching agent. And there are brands, I guess I can't say their names, right? Because I compete, but I hate this product. I've seen the bad effects of this product walk into the spa setting and it's irreversible. All right, so that's another issue we're having right now in the black community, this bleaching thing, this, this I don't like my melanin thing going on right now. It's one thing for me to help your dark spots if you have a spot. It's another thing when you want to talk about how do I get rid of it on my knees, my butt, my arm. Like, yo, you're trying to go Michael. You're doing the most. Those agents are cancer forming. So just be very careful. If anything, I just want to give those flags out to my people. God made no mistakes when he made black. The black of the beautiful. I'm going to tell you that right now. The black of the beautiful. He made no mistake. The kinkier, the better. Everybody don't have this here. So this good hair thing, this ignorance that I keep hearing coming, spewing out of black people mouths today is truly disheartening for me. I think we can do what we want to do, but damn it, you got to love what the hell you wake up to and look to in the mirror in the morning. And I'm especially saying it to women because men, our men don't give a damn what they look like, but they so damn hypercritical of what women look like. But is, are the men hypercritical or the woman doing it for the women is a question. Another topic, I digress. <laughs> You're teaching. I see you bringing out the professor hat. You're teaching. Yeah. You're teaching. Um, let me shift gears a little bit. How do you define, and I know this is where like the entrepreneurship journey, I think things get funny because everybody's trying to be an entrepreneur even before we got on, you know, I was like, man, if there's only an LLC university because everybody's getting the business, everybody's becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. It seems like seems like it's getting saturated, but it's really not because people are not. Mm -mm. They're not doing too hot, you know. You find How out many it's businesses different. Fail in the first year. What's the percentage on business failure? Oh, I should know Is this. Eighty something. Seventy, eighty something. Mm -hmm. Like most businesses fail in the first year, and then from that, half of the ones that exist don't make it past year two or three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think because a lot of people try to work in their purpose. That's the thing now, um, you know, work in your purpose. So the question to you is how then do you define your purpose? How do I define my purpose working mm -hmm. in my purpose? Mm -hmm. hmm. That's kind of a challenging question. Um, I think you're the entrepreneur. Okay. So I can see the entrepreneur in people, you know, I take your questions and flip it. Right. 
I tend to hire people around me and I see more for them than they see for themselves. I just had this conversation today that I need to stop it and I'm working on stopping it. And at the same time, people want to be the boss, but here it is. If you're an awesome worker, if you're the person who, dang, I can't take Christmas parties, but got to go to the Christmas party, put my Christmas hat on, go in here and play the game. I can't take this job, but I'm here on time. Good morning, everybody. You're an entrepreneur. I hate Christmas parties. I ain't going to this Christmas party to hell with them people. Girl, what are we doing later? You're not an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship starts on how you behave as someone who works for someone. A lot of people don't realize that. Because I know people and I already know they're going to be garbage because I see how they work or I've seen how they move in the, in the um, professional arena. How you, you, you got a magic switch, you're going to now become better. Doesn't work that way. You either got it or you don't. Either everything you touch, you're going to be fire with it. I'm fire. I've been fire at every job I was at. One job asked me to leave, but I, I deliberately said I'm going to get myself fired because I hate this guy I came here to work with. But if I break the contract, I get the bag. It was a mental game. I worked in the Middle East, by the way. Unknown fact, people don't know at one point. And I knew I got to get out of here. And this guy's a jerk. And I came all the way over to Abu Dhabi for this. I can go back home. And they kind of fell for the bait. I laugh at it now. Like, that's how smart I have always been in the corporate world. Like, they so dumb. Chess. <laughs> Checkmate. So with that said, who you are, it's not just working in your own purpose. I think a lot of people don't know. And I think we're all multi-talented. We all have the potential to be, you know, because at the end of the day, if this all fell, I promise y'all, I could start a business doing posts on Instagram. I could start a business doing every facet of my business if I really wanted to. Everyone doesn't have that. Most entrepreneurs can just keep going. You know, I read something recently and said 409 is called 409 because it was the 409th formula. That's entrepreneurship. You don't give up. You keep doing, you figure out something else. I just broke an ankle. I was the only one who worked on Fridays. I already got it to where I work two days a week, hands-on, okay? And then I have a team. But now I have to twink and pivot again. You know, I have to figure this out even harder. Now I have time to really look at my team and see who's strong, who's probably not going to make the cut in another year or two. So it's, it's constantly evolving. It's not, yeah, you want to do, you know, what your calling is, but can you? Are you going to be good at it? Because the bottom line is if you don't know how to bring money into your business, I don't care what people say. People say, you chase the money, you're doing it wrong. What? You got to have money chasing to keep the business open. What is that? That's people who got rich parents that can keep paying for their errors. But those of us, hi, I'm Dr. Natasha, that don't. No, part of being in business is to make sure we're making revenue and we're staying out of the negative. I love it. I love it. Especially the last part too, you know, just pushing to understand that the purpose of a business is to make money. And I always get not frustrated. I just shake my head sometimes. I'm like, 
no, it's not about, it's not about making money. It's not, then why are you doing it? If it's not about making money, do it for free. Volunteer. Mm -hmm. It is about making money. You are trying to get paid. You are trying to get some stuff. And so it's like, you know, just for people understand that there needs to be a level of transparent honesty and self-awareness within yourself when becoming an entrepreneur. Because this game, like Dr. Natasha mentioned, it's, it's not for everybody, but those of you who have been called to it, who feel the pull, push through and make it happen. Speaking of making it happen, y'all need to make it happen by getting these t-shirts, y'all. Listeners, you know what to do. You know what to do. 321-384-6275, text word shirt. The three two one six uh, three eight four six two seven five. We both have the black ones on. We have the white shirts. We have the gray shirts, and we still have the red shirts. But and I know I said this every week, but I promise y'all. I promise y'all. Listen to me. I promise y'all. I will wake up, and when the day comes, and I'm like, we're not doing the reds anymore. Don't don't just start hitting. Where's the reds? We don't have them. Mm, That's just what it is. So while you can. 321-384-6275, text word shirt. Also remember to text word study guide, 321-384-6275. If you heard a lot of things on this episode and you want to be able to make sure you can remember it, because I know ain't none of y'all taking notes, not because you don't want to, but probably because you can't. So we took the notes for you. But in order to get them, right, we all, all we do is learn and apply on these episodes. And Dr. Natasha gave us some deep, deep, deep gems. Make sure you remember them by texting words study guide to 321-384-6275 to get yours today. Make sure you connect with us on our community there as well. We like to make sure we keep you all updated, a little motivation, a little inspiration. Most of all, we try to make sure that our OTC tribe is in the know all the time so that you can always win. I love it. I'm getting my red shirt. <laughs> That's love. Paul, appreciate you, man. Thanks for that. Um, Dr. Natasha, wow, that was, that was amazing. That was, that was beyond amazing. Um, thank you so much for the gems that you dropped, the value that you provided, and um, just being willing to donate your time. You know, we know you're, you're busy with the business and everything going on, so uh, we don't take it lightly that you donated your time. For Anyone who this is their first time being exposed to you, um, what would be some contact information or social media info that you would want to leave with them? Uh, well, it goes across the board from website to IG to Facebook. Abraza, A-B-R-A-Z-A, Skin Studio. That's our med spa. We have a med spa in downtown Silver Spring, just over the DC line and the other location here in South Buckhead in Atlanta. Our medical grade skincare line is Abraza Skincare. Again, across all, that's the e info at Abraza Skincare, info at Abraza Skin Studio. That's the IG, that's the Facebook. Abraza Skin Institute for medical aesthetics training. Same thing, IG, same, Abraza Skin Institute. And I got so many businesses, people don't even know. I got CBD business. I got more than all of this. So I am a serial entrepreneur, I tell people. I have to think sometimes. I think I probably got eight businesses. I'm not lying to you. I don't know how I do what I do. But I tell people, don't be afraid. Get Build that team that you can trust. Build it. Build it. 
Um, but that's how you can find me. My personal IG is the T-H-E-D-R Natasha, the Dr. Natasha. Um, and I think that just said everywhere you can uh, find me pretty much easy. Perfect. Um, once again, thank you. You know, can't say it enough. It, it really is great to have brought you on the show and heard all the wisdom that you dropped not just for the listeners, but for myself and Paul as well. To our lovely listeners, guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for rocking with us. Do me a favor. I'm going to say this every week because I don't think people are understanding it. Do not text me anymore telling me how amazing the episode was. I will not respond. What you can do instead is go on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom, hit that five-star and leave an in-depth five-star review on why you enjoyed an episode or why you're enjoying our podcast. Um, guys, we're not asking you to do this just because we're asking you to do this because so many of you reach out, so many of you are listening, and we want the world to know the value that we're bringing on this podcast. Just like you see it, we want other people to see it. So the more reviews you leave, the more you share, subscribe, uh, the better for us. So with that being said, go leave the five-star review. Go hit Dr. Natasha up. Tell her how amazing this episode was. And also, wear your mask, wash your hands. But until next time, guys, love you, appreciate you. Peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.